Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name's Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney racing family for two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, you're back again with me for another episode here of the Team Blaney Podcast, fresh off the South Point 400 out there in the desert, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and it was a good race uh, when it comes to Ryan Blaney for the most part. That was a good race period for, for, yeah, for Penske and for, and for Ryan, um, all the guys did a pretty good job staying up there most of the night. Uh, you know, Vegas is Vegas. It's so much fun. Um, really kind of a weird night though, with, uh, some of the action on the track, uh, a lot of cars having holes in the fronts of the cars, mm-hmm. a lot of pieces, something, I don't know where the debris was coming from, but punching a couple different people had holes punched in their front of the cars and a couple people had tire issues, um, based on debris that was on the track that, uh, I don't know if the wind blows it in there or what, but uh, uh, but it did make the, the night interesting. There were some varying strategies that made the night interesting. And anytime you can finish in the top five in the playoffs, uh, you're doing a pretty good job. So, yeah, it was a, it was a fun night for, uh, for Ryan, I'm sure. Yeah, I thought it was a good race overall. Um, if you follow Jeff Gluck's Was It a Good Race poll, uh, fans didn't think so, but I could see that. I mean, when you're coming off of a race weekend like we had at Bristol, which basically gave a NASCAR fan everything they wanted to see, heading out to a mile-and-a-half track maybe isn't going to really set the world on fire, though it's worth pointing out the Las Vegas race in the spring was really, really good. So it just shows you sometimes it's hit and miss, but Ryan and the team definitely gave us enough to keep track of strategy wise and comeback wise and team wise to keep things interesting plus just overall for nascar for the weekend it was another triple header weekend with the xfinity series and truck series and cup series all taking to the track the truck race and the xfinity race were both had tons of excitement uh going on there so uh great weekend overall one thing we tried out this weekend when it comes to team blaney uh during the cup race on sunday uh, I put a little note out on Twitter that uh, we had added Team Blaney to Discord, which is kind of like a chat service and audio and some other things that kind of really was born out of gaming and has since expanded big time um, just to go kind of across platforms and across topics and that kind of thing. NASCAR earlier in the week announced that they joined a partnership with Discord, so it kind of piqued my interest, so I kind of immediately signed up Team Blaney for a Discord account and then started a Team Blaney server where... Now us, you know, outside of our Facebook channel and Twitter and Instagram, it was just another avenue or another place for Blaney fans to kind of gather. So if you're interested, you can take a look at our Twitter posts. I've posted multiple links to where you can join the Discord server. Basically, you just have to get the Discord app, sign up for an account, and then click on that link and it'll give you an invitation straight into it. And what we did was we kind of had um, had some people talking about if you're a longtime Blaney family fan, back in the day we used to uh, frequent this website called Quickaslap. Uh, that's where Steve and I kind of met for the first time. Uh, several years ago at this point, I don't want to think about how long ago that was now, but um, we would all kind of gather and do, you know, race chats and other chat room things during the week back then. So this kind of brought that idea back. So 
Um, kind of immediately, I had about 50 people sign up for the Discord server, which was kind of cool since I only did it a few hours before race time. And then during the race, you know, we probably had about 25 to 30 people come in and out and about 10, 15 people really engaging and kind of a really just cool, as we went along, you know, talked about what was going on in the race, talked about how we became fans, talked about what races we attended this year, what races we're going to attend throughout the rest of the year. Um, and just had a really fun time. So if you're looking for something uh, to do while you're watching the race at home in your living room, on your recliner, on your couch or something, and you just kind of want to team up with some other uh, Blaney fans, this Discord server worked out really well. I was telling Steve the whole time um, kind of how excited I was, and it was just kind of fun. So um, I know Steve kind of hopped in and out just every once in a while, but he is tirelessly taking notes throughout the race to do our race recaps. Yeah, that was the thing. I, I felt bad because I did want to join in. There were like people who say this or that about something that's going on. And I would have wanted to join and be part of it. But on the other hand, you're right. I was kind of like what I do is a little bit time intensive. Um, and I, I got to keep an ear open for my wife, to tell you the truth, because she's checking Twitter on certain things to give me certain information. And my other ear is plugged into the uh, the, the race, um, <clears throat> the uh, scanner. So um and i had to kind of really keep good track of that this week you know because stellanarius was was at the at the race so um yeah it's just kind of like i want to join and jump in i joined i mean i'm there don't get me wrong and i will try to jump in when i can what's great about it is it keeps you busy during the race um too so the you know like you said don't text me as much you know yeah <laughs> yeah that was kind of what i joked with steve about is normally i'm just texting him my random thoughts all race long and i know it has to bug him at some point because he's probably jumping in between his various apps and scanner apps and stuff but hey i do it anyway so uh <laughs> but yeah the chat room ended up really fun um like we said steve's a little bit busy with his hands full doing those race recaps so uh, speaking of the race recap, why don't we go ahead and jump right in to our recap of the South Point 400 this past weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Ryan Blaney, race recap. Las Vegas Motor Speedway. All right, here we go. Uh, we had uh, stages of 80, then to 160, and then, of course, the final was 267. Competition caution at lap 25. Ryan was starting uh, P2. To the rear, we had the 24, the 19, the 10, and the 66. Shocker, Hendricks going to the back. And it was a lot of people, um, if you follow Bob Pockris and some of the other reporters during the day uh, as inspections going along, he'll mention when people don't pass the first time. Um, it's really a problem, what, when you don't pass like the third time through? I think you get a couple of shots at it. And mm -hmm. normally it's a handful of cars. That I think this past week it was a lot. And the first thing that he said when people were kind of complaining about, like, oh, everyone's trying to cheat, you know, Arrow is such a huge part of mile-and-a-half tracks, especially at here or there at Las Vegas. So all the teams are going to be pushing as hard as possible. And uh, so he wasn't necessarily shocked. I wasn't necessarily shocked that at least that many people failed the first time through. But obviously a few more people had multiple failures, and they ended up to the back of the pack. Yeah. Uh, Ryan had the first pit stall, which was kind of weird. I was surprised that um, Larson didn't take the first pit stall. But when you look at the, um, the pit road setup, Larson was, I want to say it was like pit stall five or six. And he was in a pit stall that the pit stall in front of him was an empty area. So he had an out, easy out. But then again, Ryan was at the top of pit road, which was, a, of course, the easiest of outs. 
This selection was probably my favorite part of the whole weekend because every time Ryan came down to the pits, NBC had a camera that was all the way at the front of pit road and you could see his entire stop. So if you're ever wondering what happened, uh, why his stop was slow, why his stop was super fast, you kind of got to see them go through the motions the whole way through, especially going all the way down to that last pit stop of the race. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it was just kind of a crucial pit stop because everything's green flag at the time and they needed to make it through and you actually did get to see that 12 team uh, orchestrate a very, very solid pit stop on the big screen. It was great. Yeah. Um, Larson um, has the choice at the beginning of the race there. He takes the top uh, for the start. Um, uh, Todd's talking at the beginning of the race about uh, staying ahead of the track with the transition into the nighttime. And um, there's a video and I can't think of who had it now today. I saw it on one of our Facebook friends, uh, and the guy had a video of the first lap and the first lap was awesome. Ryan got pushed out there and by the back stretch, he, uh, he took the lead and, uh, led, you know, led lap one. So it was really, really good. He led those first bunch of laps all the way to, uh, I think lap eight, there is where the 11 finally passes him. And he ends up in second at, uh, lap 13, um, First to fourth is about a second apart. So they are racing pretty close quarters, those first bunch of cars. It's the 11, the 12, the 18, and the 5. So he's up there with, you know, all the big other big names, you know, and he's, you know, going to add himself to those big names most of the night. Uh, lap 18, uh, he says he needs a little more rear grip. And at lap 25, that competition caution comes out, uh, goes in second, and uh, comes out third when they pit. Uh, they took air out of the right rear. That was kind of the adjustment. They made a slight adjustment at that point. Uh, the choose cone, uh, the leader is the 18. He takes the high. Ryan took the high, putting him in row two. And um, interesting thing, I was on that pit stop. Uh, the 11, <laughs> he bumped the 11 from behind on pit road. I don't know if he got brake checked or what, whatnot, but uh, they were looking real quick to see if there was some sort of damage. Uh, they say there may have been a little bit of damage to the right side air duct there, but it was nothing that was going to bother, bother the car. Um, lap 33, he's in fourth at lap 34. He passes the five up to third lap 36. He, uh, the five passes him. So he's back to fourth at, uh, lap 50. Um, he's fourth about 1.6 seconds back of the lead. And he's talking about a vibration. And Todd, uh, kind of comes on, lets him know, he says, you know what? We've had history of the tires having vibrations here at Vegas. So he kind of gave him a little bit of feedback, like, you know what, just, you might want to, you know, if it gets worse, let us know. But on the other hand, it's probably not anything major. It's probably just the way that these tires are reacting to this track. Um, at lap 55, um, the top five is, uh, the five, the 18, the 11, the 12 and the four. So, you know, he's up there and he's the top forward at that point. Uh, and he's 2.78 seconds back at the lead at lap, um, 66. He says, says something about pumping hot water. Like he knew it would. And I thought, Oh no, what, what are they talking about? You know, cause it was a hundred some degrees in Vegas and, um, it was the cool suit. Um, they were having an issue with the cool suit. Yeah, and I could tell the way that he said that. It sounded like he was already reluctant 
to try it. Not all the drivers use it. I know really early on, Jimmy Johnson was kind of an early adopter of it. The, a lot of the Hendrick drivers started using it. But if you ever see it, a driver after the race, if they kind of take off the top part of their fire suit, you'll see them wearing this this kind of like uh, Under Armour looking type shirt that has like all these little tubes mm-hmm. kind of running through it. So that's what you're seeing. It's basically a suit. And then there's a tube that will come out of their fire suit when they sit down in the car and they plug into a system that's just circulating cold water throughout. So it kind of sounds like it's one of the first times that Ryan had used it. Uh, Todd Gordon this week in some interviews, he was asked about this and he basically said that due to the fact that they're having some issues with the next gen car, a lot of drivers are saying it's very hot inside that car. And I know NASCAR is working on ways to try to cool things down. So they were saying that they're trying to get ahead of it. And try to get Ryan more comfortable with using this cool suit technology. So it kind of sounds like to me, just based on his reaction, saying like, oh, I thought this was going to happen, that Mm -hmm. maybe he was more used to just that getting that air pumped into his helmet like a lot of people do on a regular basis. That, um, But we've seen this in the past with this technology that if there is a malfunction, uh, unfortunately for the driver, maybe until a caution comes out or something, there's a chance that they're just going to have hot water pumping around as as if uh the cold water should be so um sounded like i don't know if that lasted the whole race or what i know at the end of the race he mentioned that you know uh in the one place that did interview him that he was a little bit hot a little bit tired from from the action and mentioned the cool suit so yeah we'll see maybe though they todd said they're going to get it back to the shop get the car back to the shop take a look at everything and and go forward from there so um but as far as i know it is good technology and it kind of sounded like something that uh would be cool to get in our own car sometime (laughs) (laughs) um lap 70 uh he's 5.7 seconds back of the leader and he's 2.3 seconds back of the 11 car so that's third place so uh they kind of settled in there but the end of stage one larson wins the stage and ryan p4 end of stage one instant stage points to start this round um money in the bank there you go put put it on the board we got some stage points um, they're going to do a track bar adjustment uh, for some more rear security. Um, they pit in fourth and come out fourth. So they hold serve there. Um, choose cone for this next restart. Uh, the leader's the 11, takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom, and he's in row two. So he didn't really lose any position. Actually kind of technically gains a position there. Um, it's kind of weird that the 11 car took the bottom too. So that uh, usually it was the top most of the night for the leaders. Um, lap 90, he settles into about P5 there at lap 93 is a caution for the 15 for Joey Gase. Um, uh, wow. I mean, it was a hell of a caution. He hit the wall really hard, but bounced the car up into the air. Um, not sure if, you know, if it was a tire air or flat tire versus the just tire coming off, but, uh, ouch. Yep. the whole wheel came off. I know initially people were talking about maybe they left all the lug nuts loose or something, which. I know NASCAR investigates that kind of stuff, and I think if there was an issue, they would have announced it with their other penalties this week. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a huge penalty if you did do that, because I believe it's like the crew chief, the tire carrier, the or the jackman, and the tire changer and stuff like all get suspended. Um, but it didn't sound like that happened. I know later on Joey Gase had said, or there's some social media chatter from him or his team that said that they had a parts failure, so... I'm hoping that's what it was and it wasn't kind of just a, a crew member's mistake. But yeah, he did end up, the 15 driver, Joey Gase, ended up going to the hospital. They did release him and he was going to be further evaluated when he got back to Charlotte. So uh, yeah. thoughts with them. Hopefully he, he's able to uh, get patched up there and go and keep on going. But scary, scary caution. Yeah. Um, 
let's see here. They're staying out now. This is yeah. This is lap ninety three. They're staying out. Um, the the top eight stayed out. Well, the top eight that on the restart had stayed out. Uh, some came in just for fuel. Some for two tires. Um, you know, so this is kind of where that uh, strategy kind of gets uh, split up a little bit, and um, they uh, they restart here with uh, the shooter. The I'm sorry, the leader being the 24 at this point, taking the bottom, and Ryan takes the bottom in row two. There, um, they restart at lap 99. There was the the the, the caution itself lasted longer because there was some sort of issue with uh, with a vehicle uh, that was was helping clean up. And some of these cars pitted and they were trying to get to that fuel window where they knew they'd get to the end of the stage. And some of them didn't. And uh, Hendrick, I know were the, were the, were the main ones that didn't, uh, including like uh, Larson and um, Ryan stayed on that strategy also. So uh, it kind of was interesting. It was like they were playing for another caution before the end of the stage, basically. Here's just an inter- interesting thing I noticed during uh, when it come, we didn't get too many, restarts in the first place in this race so um outside of just from this one from this caution flag and then the regular stage breaks uh after the first stage ryan was lined up behind the 11 and he gave the 11 like uh you know a daytona talladega type bump draft the whole Mm -hmm. way through uh you might mention this restart coming up here he's lined up behind the 24 william byron ryan stays off the 24 does not bump bump him or push him or anything at all and i thought it was one of those situations where he pushed the, the 11 the whole way through and out to the lead. Maybe this time he is trying to, again, I think he thinks ahead. I think he's preparing for later restarts to see if he's in this position again, what should he do? This time he laid off the 24. There was a big gap between them going into the turn. I think he just wanted to see what would happen, how the restart would shake out. If you don't push the guy ahead of you all the way out to the lead, where will you shake out in the lineup? So, um, But I just know, just just thought it was interesting. I'm like, oh, he gave the 11 a really aggressive push, and on the 24, it was like, oh, I'm not touching him. (laughs) Um, that's that's the way I thought of it is who it was. Um, a lot of times those guys, uh, when they know who they're racing with and who they're racing around, they'll do certain things that they know they can get away with because they've either talked to them in the past or they just know like Denny can handle this. Whereas I don't know if William can handle this, you know. And I, that's what I thought of when I saw it. It was like, yeah, he's just kind of tiptoeing with, with, uh, you know, also he may have not been getting the push from behind too, at that point either. Um, sometimes, uh, he, <laughs> these guys that are in second or third in the line, they get a good push from the guy third or fourth in the line. And that's what really launches the whole line. So, uh, they, they at least rest, uh, restart lap 99 there by a lap one Oh one. He's P four. At lap 104, Ryan uh, says, I just hit something hard. <laughs> um, you know, this is interesting because they really didn't know what it was. And I don't know if they ever reported later on what it was. But No, I think they had mentioned that the nine had said he thought he ran over something. And then Ryan had said, yeah, the nine ran over something and it launched it into his car. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the TV announcers were saying, like, where is all this? debris coming from we're not seeing it but cars are getting you know flat tires and cars are are getting holes in the noses like you mentioned earlier yeah um so lap 105 he's p5 and the top four cars are all the hendrick cars who stayed out um lap 108 he passes the 48 he's up to fourth at lap 110 um they they do confirm that there's a hole in the nose right above the word mustang (laughs) 
Um, so they talk about how they're going to fix that at lap 112, uh, the 11 passes. So he's back to fifth, fifth lap 114, the 18 passes at sixth lap 130. The nine is pitting. Now, like I said, the lot, the nine is the first of the Hendrick guys to pit. He pits a little earlier than some of the other people. And, um, it, it actually works for him because he gets the fresher tires and is able to move his way up quicker. Um, the 24 then pits also he's P four. Um, but they tell him, they tell Ryan, we're going to go long. Um, if there's no caution, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take four somewhere near the end of the stage and then we'll take the wave around after the stage break. Um, lap 135, they tell him that we're going to pit on the fuel switch. This is really interesting. You know, they've got that fuel switch. Once they run out of fuel, they flip the switch. It gives them another lap, lap and a half. So, um, they tell him basically we're going to pit when you tell us that you're, you know, you're out of it. And at lap 140, um, he's in P4 at that point, about six seconds back of the lead. At lap 152, they pit. Uh, The 5, the 12 also pits. So um, this is interesting, too, because the 5 car is on the same exact strategy as Ryan. You know, the 24 and the 9 pitted earlier. You know, what is that? 22 laps earlier. So, um, you know, they're late in the stage here. They fixed that hole in the nose. Um, I saw some great, great stuff online with that, where the, the flex seal guy is. <laughs> There's some funny things. I think NASCAR chasm had posted like, Oh, Ryan's driving the brand new Ford Ang Cause it just <laughs> had the ANG at the end. I mean, I will just give the crew. Um, it was just kind of funny. Cause they, again, they had that great view of the pit stop and you just see the crew member come around and just slap that bear bond on the front and get out of the way. Cause Ryan was going, he wasn't going <laughs> to wait too long. Mm-mm. And then um, when he gets, about back out onto the track here coming off and and i was worried for a second because i was like did he just run over some debris because i didn't realize i mean it ended up being almost looked like a big bright white sheet mm-hmm. uh they slapped on the front and i was like oh they didn't even worry about trying to make this a small patch they just threw the biggest piece they had on there and shoved it on and let let him go but uh sounds like it worked out it was better than having yeah. a hole in the front yeah um yeah the best one i saw was like the flex seal guy <laughs> NASCAR chasm put a picture of the flex seal guy basically like he threw it on there um so the come to the end of the stage um lap 160 there the 11 wins the stage um Ryan is 21st Larson is 19th okay so you know now they got to take the wave around uh the wave around does put them behind lap cars um so you've got to navigate those guys um, a caution would help at this point, because if you get a caution, then you're going to move in front of those lap cars, no matter what. But, uh, uh, Chuscone is the leader is the 11 here. And, uh, who, you know, he takes the top and I've got Ryan here on the bottom, but like I said, he, all the way back there, he's like 31st. If you count all the cars in between, I mean, he's 21st place, but he's got to go buy another, you know, 10 cars there. So, uh, the restart, um, lap 167. um, and I hear the words bottom of three and then bottom of four. That's a very ugly thing to hear, but, uh, you know, like I said, he's passing a bunch of these, uh, these guys are a lap or two down, um, lap 170, 19th and only 2.93 seconds back of the lead, um, lap 171, 18th at lap 172, 17th at lap 174, 16th. So here he comes. We know he's, you know, we know the car has the speed to do it at lap 174. He's only four seconds back of the lead lap 177. He passed two more cars. He's four P 14. And, uh, he's talking about plowing tight. 
As he's starting to get some feedback here because they know they got one more pit stop, whether it's green flag or, you know, if a caution comes. So he's got to get them some feedback so we know what to adjustment to make. At lap 181, he's thir- in 13th. Lap 184, he's up to 11th. He's only 6.5 seconds back of the lead at this point. Once again, they're doing a really good job of not only catching everybody, but staying close. Uh, lap 192, up to 10th. He passed the 22 car to do that. Lap 198, he passes the four car to get to ninth. At lap 201, uh, it says he's super tight, especially off of four. Um, at lap 205, Todd tells them 10 more laps here is what they want. Um, go ahead. One thing worth mentioning, and you probably will mention, I might be jumping the gun here, is Ryan's moving up through the pack. I believe the 24 car who is on that strategy is moving up through the pack. But the one guy kind of stuck back there in between like 15th and 19th is Larson. He just... He never was really able to move up again. And this is the guy that was leading a good chunk of the beginning of the race there. They're on the same strategy as Ryan, but somehow, uh, you know, this 12 car has the speed to make it up through while Larson's kind of just kind of hanging out. Yeah. I, I don't know if I really have a note of that. I know where he finishes at the end there. And it, it really is. It's, it goes to show you that um, running clean, doing a good job with the green flag pit stop, especially is important. Um, cause there are other guys who end up having issues down the line here. Um, you know, and it ends up being positions. So, um, yeah, at lap two ten, the, uh, 18 pits, Ryan's up to eighth and the green flag is basically starting there. Um, the 19 pits and lap two twelve, Ryan pits. So, you know, within that 10 laps, um, uh, that cycle, he was P nine when the cycle started. And this is that pit stop I mentioned earlier where they had that great shot of it from the front of the car. You know, I was kind of holding my breath because I knew this was crucial. I, you know, was pretty confident at this point there was not going to be a caution going through the race, the rest of the race, because the only regular caution of this entire race was from that 15 car when its wheel fell off. So it wasn't even an on-track incident. Um, so luckily that the 12 crew responded at this point and got him back out on the track in a good position. So, um, I got him at lap two twenty three in P 10. Um, and I figured out he should cycle to about seventh when, when it's all said and done, but at lap two two twenty seven, he's P seven. There's still a couple cars that haven't pitted yet. And, um, he was half a second faster than the car in front of him, which was the eight car. So he was, he was doing a really good job with the adjustments they made. Um, Lap 230, the three car finally pitted. So Ryan's up to six at this point, and he's about 11 seconds back of the lead. So, you know, we got 37 more laps to go at this point. Uh, lap 248, he got himself to a half a second back of the eight car at that point. Um, well, most of TV's coverage at this point is, of course, about the leader. And, um, you know, sure, the 11 wins the race. Okay. You know, yay for the 11. But what we're watching is Ryan is in sixth and he's catching the eight car for fifth place. And on the last lap, he passes the eight car in turns one and two. Um, the NASCAR app uses, uh, has a call, a camera called the battle cam and they switched to him when he was going into one and two and the 23 car kind of set a pick and Ryan used him as a pick picked off the eight car and Ryan passed that eight car and one or two and they got the fifth place for a top five yeah this was great it was very reminiscent of just a couple of weeks ago 
when we were at Richmond. And, you know, it was really sad because Ryan was sitting in, I was sad at the time, Ryan was sitting in the 11th position. It's like, oh man, he's so close to getting his first top 10 ever at this track that he struggled at so long. And he was on a full in-car cam with the NASCAR.com app at that point. And we did get to see him track down uh, the car in front of him all the way again to the last lap till he got past to get that top 10 finish. So it felt just like that, just as exciting. Um you know, until the battle cam thing happened, till it got to that. Prior to that, we're just watching the ticker go by and watching the times there. It's like, oh, he's getting closer, he's getting closer. There was a point when he got really close to the eight, and then it backed off again to about a second, second and a half behind. So it's a little bit defeated, but again, she's charging right at the end there. Um, got into some lap traffic that sounded like it helped things out, and scores another top five finish. So that's great. Good points day overall with the, you know, finishing fourth in the first stage fifth to end the race the thing that's still eating at me and i know you said you uh you have some thoughts on the overall strategy is just losing out on those points that were there to grab in stage two um worth mentioning at this point in the standings ryan is plus 24 to the cut line he went into this race plus 11 so they gained points they didn't lose any points they gained points to the cut line but i still see you know those five six seven eight points that he probably could have gotten in stage two if it wasn't for this strategy that I'm not going to totally question, but I will question just a little bit because we mentioned the only caution of this entire race was from the 15 car having a parts failure. So one thing that I chatter that I kind of saw on Twitter that actually focused on Larson's strategy, which Larson's strategy was the same as Ryan and Todd Gordon's strategy was they stayed out there way hoping for a caution would come out maybe and then um, they'd get their pit stop, you know, under caution instead of green flag. And then they'd come back around and be in good shape for the end of stage two. But the question that was posed is what caution were they waiting for? It wasn't like the racing was crazy. Guys were sliding around. Someone's going to spit out eventually. It was this mile and a half track with this package that keeps it pretty racy, but also keeps it to where guys aren't necessarily running into each other. So, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm sitting here on my couch. I'm not on top of the pit box. I'm not a championship winning crew chief like Todd Gordon. So I'm not going to totally question what he did, but it's just like, oh, you could see it. I mean, he could have gotten, you know, he could have been, you know, plus 30 something to the, the cut line if they just got those points. So I don't know. Makes me just a little sad, but if he was below the cut line after this race, because something really bad happened after that strategy, I'd be angry. But just one of those, it's like, ah, gosh, I hope we don't, uh, we don't miss out on those five or six points he could have got from that stage. Well, here's the thing is that it wasn't like they were the only ones that tried it. You know, you've got, uh, 12 guys trying to get the eight spots in these three races. And of those 12 guys, um, four or five other guys tried the same thing. So it kind of went split like half of the, half of the guys in the playoffs went one way, half of the guys in the playoffs went another way. So at least you went, um, in a direction with a bunch of guys that are in the playoffs with you. So other guys lost the chance at those points also. But the thing is, is sometimes you have to try to do a little bit something different to see if it'll work out for you or not. And in the long run, um, they knew they had enough speed and they knew that they could get back through there. Um, and the thing is, is this is a, a thing about the interview that didn't happen on TV is they missed the story. NBC sports uh, network missed the story, the story that, that they had with Ryan is the fact that he did that. He took that car from in the back of the field, took it through the field, through all the lap cars. And in that whole um, stage, 
cycled in a one pit stop cycle and got the thing all the way up to fifth. I mean, he drove his butt off to get all the way up there. You know, Chase Elliott finished second, but Chase, his pit strategy was different. He actually pitted way before Ryan did at the end of stage two and was able to make up ground on fresh tires and get himself back on the lead lap. But if you look at the other guys on that pit strategy with him, Kyle Larson, you know, was one of the other ones and he finished 10th and, uh, you know, the 24 ended up having issues with the tire, I believe, and ended up finishing 18th. Um, yeah, I don't even know that the 48, 48 was on that strategy too. I think he had a pit. He had issues as well. well. So, you know, um, they not only, you know, navigated through that strategy, but then they actually did something with it that the other guys, the Hendrick boys couldn't even really do, you know, for Larson was on the same exact strategy. Like it's like you said earlier, and he did not get his way up through the field the way Ryan did. So, um, you know, the top Ford in the race and, uh, you know, Keselowski finished seventh with that strategy also. So, you know what? And Logano 11th. So, you know what? <laughs> they, they did a good job of doing what they needed to do with the strategy they had and, they, and, and trying, like I said, trying a split strategy, you know, like I said, four or five of them, five or six of them tried one thing and the rest of them tried the other thing. Um, sure. You'd think that maybe if they try the other strategy, they could be up there. But you know what? They actually did finish up there. So, you know, great job by them all night long. And like I said, that from the point of the start of stage three on, um, you know, TV doesn't really pay attention to that because they're paying attention to leaders, of course, and that's what you want. But at the end of the race, somebody should have picked up on the fact that the fifth place car was the was the best car of that strategy. You know, Chase Elliott's like I said, Chase Elliott pitted you know, how many laps earlier, you know, and was able to gain, uh, get back on the lead lap within stage two. But yeah, I, I thought it was great racing. Um, really fun to watch. You know, you know, I always take those notes and you notice, like, I just go, you know, lap 170 P19 lap 172, <laughs> 17, you know, three, four, every three or four laps, pass the car, pass another car, pass another car, pass another car. Um, you know, uh, knowing that they can do that on these, these mile and a half is just, it's excellent. So, um, you know, great job by Ryan and, and, and Josh and Todd of uh, navigating through that strategy and getting that thing a top five. Yeah, it's definitely <clears throat> was exciting to watch that comeback. Um, it's just going to be, like I said, just a little tiny bit of me. It's, it's eating me a little bit. Just the what ifs, what could have been, you know, the nine pitted early. So mine, the nine was still on a similar strategy, but then decided to pit early, did challenge for the lead there at the end. I know Hamlin was kind of mirror driving. So that's why the gap kind of closed a little bit to make it maybe a little bit more exciting looking than it really was. But it's like, oh man, if, you know, if they just did the conventional strategy, Ryan's car was super fast. Maybe this is, could have been like Michigan. It could have been like Atlanta, been another, another victory where he tracked down the leader and passed him. But Hey, the team came home with, you know, top four stage points in stage one, comes home with a fifth place finish at Las Vegas, adding to those, you know, that list of stats that he's trying to gain here on top fives and top tens for the season, plus 24 to the cut line. Hamlin moves on to the next round automatically with the victory. Kyle Larson right. sitting at plus 57. Kyle Busch is at plus 35. Truex is at plus 31 in fourth place. And Ryan sits in the fifth position in the standings at plus 24 with Chase Elliott just right behind him with plus 22. The rest of the guys down there in the points, 7th and 8th, you know, right before the bubble there, are his Team Penske teammates of Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski at plus 6 and plus 4. Mm-hmm. All of this heading into 
this race weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. But hey, that's the present. Why don't we go ahead and take a look back at the past as we take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. Up first for this week in NASCAR history, we go back to September 30th, 1950. This is an interesting one, Steve. NASCAR promotes a 25-mile non-points race for NASCAR Grand National Cars at the Quarter Mile Civic Stadium in Buffalo, New York. Won by Bobby Courtright, the race is the pilot event for the upcoming NASCAR Short Track Grand National Circuit. So uh, we just talked about you know a couple of weeks ago NASCAR going back to a stadium out there at the LA Coliseum. I know we've talked about uh, them playing, you know, out there at uh, in Chicago at the stadium there back in the day. So here's another stadium race. So just worth reminding the fans that stadium racing in NASCAR is not a new thing. Up next, we go to September 29th, 1963. Marvin Panch, on the comeback trail after suffering serious injuries at Daytona in February, wheels the Wood Brothers forward to victory in the Wilkes 250 at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Panch leads the final 49 laps to score his first win since the 1961 Daytona 500. Another interesting tidbit here, we go to September 30th, 1970. In what was the final dirt track race in NASCAR Grand National history is run at State Fairground Speedway in Raleigh, North Carolina. Richard Petty wins in a Don Robertson-owned Plymouth. Now, I said in what was the last dirt track race because, obviously, earlier this year, they threw dirt all over Bristol Motor Speedway and Joey Logano went to victory lane. So the last two drivers to win on dirt in the NASCAR Cup Series level, Joey Logano and Richard Petty, all the way back there in 1970. Moving on to September 27th, 1987, Daryl Waltrip barges through Dale Earnhardt and Terry Labonte on the final lap to score his first win with Hendrick Motorsports in the Wild Goodies 500 at Martinsville Speedway. Labonte and Earnhardt spin in the third turn as Waltrip shoots the gap to score the win. And finally, September 29th, 1991, Harry Gant's late race brake failure opens the door for Dale Earnhardt to win the Tyson Holly Farms 400 at North Wilkesboro. Gant was attempting to become the first driver to win five straight races since 1971. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Be sure to tune into next week's podcast as we take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. Ryan Blaney, Weekend preview talladega super speedway so steve we are in the thick of the round of 12 here in the nascar cup series playoffs again ryan blaney plus 24 to that cut line uh, where they're going to cut it down from 12 drivers to eight drivers and of course the way they have the schedule laid out they are headed to talladega super speedway for the yellowwood 500 this sunday october 3rd Time is at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch it on NBC and MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Again, the race is going to be split up into stages at lap 60, lap 120, lap lap 188, and that will equal 500 miles around that big track down there in Talladega, Alabama, where it's worth mentioning that it's one of Ryan's better tracks, not necessarily average finish-wise, and a lot of that's just because... You know how super speedway racing goes, but he does have two career wins there in 14 starts. So that's two wins, three top fives, five top tens at that track. And it's treated him pretty well, not necessarily recently. I mean, in the the spring race, he finished ninth. 
uh, in the fall race last year, 25th. But in that spring race and fall race, the previous two years there, first and first. And um, like you said, Mr. 007, right? That's right. Mr. 007 is back. Um, you know, it's it's scary how good they are at plate racing, how good Ryan is at it, how good Josh is at, at, at guiding him um, through a lot of messes, basically. Um, you do get caught in, in wrecks once in a while there. There's just no way around it sometimes. I, I remember a great story about... Uh, uh, Dave, uh, Ryan's dad's uh, spotter. Um, there was a big one there, and he told Dave, go high, go high, good luck. You know, and sometimes that's what happens. You can just get caught in a pileup, and uh, hopefully, you, you know, you're hopefully you're not injured. That's the main thing. But um, I think the way that these playoff guys are going to race it is they're going to both stages be looking for the stage points. Now, at both those stages, does it get really wild looking for those stage points, you know? And in between those those points and times, do the um, do the guys more or less back off, get single file, you know? But Ryan, I want to say, uh, in the last two three years of winning these races and then finishing second at Daytona, winning a Daytona race, he's uh, starting to look like some guy that used to drive the eight car. You know, I, I don't want to totally compare him. Uh, but on super speedways in, in these restrictor plate or tapered spacer races, uh, he's leading a lot of laps. He's controlling the race from the front. And when he's not in the front, he gets his way up to the front uh, really, really well um, and does a really good job of, like I said, of avoiding most of the incidents. So uh, it, it's a great weekend to watch, uh, watch Ryan run. You know, I just love Talladega Daytona and the way they race there. Unless they change up their strategy because of points or something, Team Penske does not hang out in the back at these super speedway races. They are aggressive. They stick together. They run up front. They lead a lot of laps. They get a lot of stage points. Uh, I don't expect that to change. Uh, one thing that I mentioned to you, you know, as we were lucky enough to see Ryan win on the last super speedway track and the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona, it's so exciting to watch Ryan uh, run these races. Because even when he does get shuffled all the way back to the back, it's, you know, as soon as he turns it back on, it's within, you know, a matter of minutes that he weaves his way back all the way back up to the front. And it's just amazing to see sometimes because it takes a lot of skill. Um, like you said, that driver of the number three car, the driver of the number the eight car, the number eight car, his teammates, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, both really good uh, super speedway racers and i think that has benefited ryan tremendously in his career and obviously now he's sitting there in his career with three wins on super speedway tracks between daytona and talladega um one thing to note that you actually just mentioned about crashes at this track uh how it's important to try and stay safe well it's worth mentioning that you know joey logano was in a crash here in the spring where his car got up in the air they, NASCAR has been doing everything they can for, it seems like, forever to try to figure out ways to get that liftoff speed to where the cars won't get up into the air. Um, so they tweaked the package for super speedways ahead of the Daytona race um, to where this, the horsepower came down a little bit. They messed with or removed the wicker bill, I'm not sure. So some of the aerodynamic changes there with the race car. So this will be the first time back at Talladega since Logano's crash where they'll be running this package. So I didn't really notice too much at Daytona. If anything, people have mentioned maybe that the cars are running maybe even a little bit closer together than they were before. Um, you're not necessarily able to get as big or as fast of a run as you were before now. The runs are coming a little bit slower. So um, maybe that also helps crash-wise. 
things aren't happening as quickly. You don't have to make decisions. You're already making them in a split second, but maybe you don't have to make them in less than a split second at this point. So a new package coming into this race. I just mentioned the fact that Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, great at uh, super speedway tracks, but uh, I can tell you why here. Let's just go back, all the way back to Brad Keselowski's first win here in 2014. Let's just tick off his teammates' wins here. So 2014, Keselowski went to victory lane. 2015, uh, fall race, Logano went to victory lane. 2016, spring race, Keselowski went to victory lane. 2016, fall race, Logano went to victory lane. 2017, fall race, Keselowski victory lane. 2018, spring race, Logano victory lane. And then we jump ahead to 2019 and 2020, Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney. Uh, And then the previous race here in the spring, Keselowski, that's his only win on the season, went to victory lane. So... What that tells me, that's a lot of Team Penske power at this racetrack. So I would be watching those cars this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, uh, go back to his first race um, with Penske uh, in the 12 car, the SKF 12 car, led 15 laps. You know, so right off the bat, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm going to show you that I know how to do this. And um, the, that that's the interesting thing about these tapered spacer races is that, one, um, when a guy shows that he can do it, and a lot of the other cars pay attention to that guy, they try to help that guy because they know that he's going to be near the front. So if I can help him, maybe I'll be near the front too. And, uh, they get more comfortable. Uh, there are certain guys they race around basically and, and are comfortable, uh, racing around them. And he's one of those guys are like, if, if Ryan's up there, they know that, uh, he's a guy to race with and to help and he'll help you, you know, but, uh, there are certain guys on the radio. Uh, if you get a chance to listen to some of the radio chatter this weekend, it's kind of interesting because they'll say something about certain numbers, you know, and it'll be like, uh, look out for that guy. Uh, because some guys are a little bit, I want to say above their heads. Um, and, and they're really trying hard. Don't get me wrong. They're not trying to crash. Nobody's really trying to crash. Um, but, uh, some of these guys are way better at it than others. And, uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully nobody gets caught in anybody's mess. Hopefully nobody gets injured. But at any point in time, you know, one guy makes one little error and it can collect 20 cars in a heartbeat. So you went back to Ryan's first start there at Talladega. I want to talk about his second start at Talladega that I think maybe sets off this chain of events where Ryan Blaney becomes a very aggressive plate racer or tapered spacer racer, super speedway racer. Let's go back to that 2015 race. He finishes in the uh, fourth or finishes in the fourth position behind Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jimmy Johnson, and Paul Menard. This race specifically, Ryan was, I think, what, pushing Johnson or somebody mm-hmm. hard going into that last lap and just held, did not try to fan out, going to the checkered, lo- or, you know, the, the finish line, coming to the checkers, just kind of kept behind the car he was behind, kept pushing him as hard as he could, got a fourth place finish, you know, in his first year with that Wood Brothers team, and got a lot of flack, caught a lot of flack after that for, for I don't know if you remember it, Steve, but I do specifically just because I was offended <laughs> that, that people were kind of busting him for it, but for not trying to win. They said, you know, he didn't try to win. He just stayed in line, kept pushing who he was going to push. And I personally think he took that maybe a little bit personally. And going forward after that, um, he's pretty aggressive on all these tracks. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to know the, know, you know, know your place. There are some of these guys that end up, um, being that, you know, being too aggressive and, um, 
they end up getting a bad reputation. <laughs> you know, uh, Recky Stenhouse comes to mind, um, you know, where he's just totally aggressive and he's trying really hard, but uh, he's had an error or two being aggressive and then he gets a bad reputation. Is he good at plate track racing? Yes, actually, he is extremely good at it, but he gets a bad reputation because he took some risks that uh, weren't calculated well enough, you know? So I think sometimes knowing um, what you and your car can do at that point in time is more important than just trying to win, you know? Yeah, so I think like you were just saying, uh, over the years now, obviously Ryan with three wins on the super speedways, uh, with his teammates and various other people, I think he's gained a lot more respect. Um, it is tougher, though. I mean, the, I think I mean this goes back to Ford and their one Ford mentality, and they're really the ones. Because prior to this, it was just teammates. You know, teammates would stick together, and that was fine. Uh, but then Ford kind of got all the drivers together and said, "Okay, actually, you know, we're funding, helping fund all of you guys. We're supporting you. You're going to support us, and you guys are all going to stick together as one Ford." So that's kind of when the manufacturer wars started out here on the super speedway. So now it's gotten even tougher. Um, but what helps is when it gets down to the closing laps of the race. A lot of that kind of goes out the window. So what uh, you were saying earlier as well. Hopefully they can kind of hook up. He Ryan can hook up with the teammates get some good stage points in this first stage and second stage to hopefully pad that plus 24 to the cut line that he's already at. And then however the chips may fall going at the end of this race, uh, hopefully he, uh, the car survives the race and he gets a good solid finish. It would be really nice if he gets his fourth super speedway win third at Talladega. Uh, I wouldn't turn that away. Definitely. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Interesting point there. What you're saying about the different manufacturers, um, uh, Kevin Harvick still being in the playoff hunt is extremely important here because, okay, sure. The three Penske cars are going to work together. Uh, Matty D will, will help with the Penske guys. Um, but if Harvick wasn't still in it, what would Stuart Haas have to gain at this point? But Harvick being in it gives you three more cars. Those Stuart Haas cars now really do need to help all the other Ford cars. And I don't know who else in the Ford camp is still out there. Um, the, th the 34 car or whatnot, you know, hopefully they're able to help them too. But Hendrick, it's, you know, the Chevys, it's just the four Hendrick cars. So any other Hendrick team out there, um, or any, I'm sorry, not Hendrick team, any other Chevy team out there, uh, do they help the Hendrick cars? They don't necessarily yeah. have, they don't really have to. That's a good point. They don't, they don't have anybody else in the playoffs at this point. Um, same thing with the Toyotas, you know, the four Toyotas. Okay. That's all Gibbs racing. You know, the 23 car is going to help those guys because he's part of the, of the Toyota camp, but the other Toyotas in the field, do they really need to help Gibbs? You know, they don't have anybody else in the playoffs. So, you know, that's the one good thing about the Fords and having Kevin still in the playoffs right now is his, his, uh, teammates are going to help him. And they're going to all work together with the other Fords at Penske. And um, it should be interesting to see if there's a green flag cycle during a couple of these stages, um, what teams pit at what point and, and, and how they come to pit road together. So again, if you want to catch this weekend, first off worth noting that it's another triple header weekend for uh, the NASCAR national series with the truck series race and Xfinity series race, both happening on Saturday. If you want to clear your schedule for that, but the main event's going to happen on Sunday, October 3rd, the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega super speedway. You can catch it at 2 PM Eastern time on NBC and then on the radio on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. All right, Steve, it's that time of the podcast that we jump 
back into the recent past where we talk about the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. We'll go through our lineups from this past weekend's race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and then we'll go through the various amounts of standings that we have going on at this point in the season. If I take a look back at my lineup that I had set up, I thought this was a golden lineup uh, here. I had Chase Elliott. I had Kyle Larson. I had Joey Logano. I had Ryan Blaney. I had William Byron. I had Alex Bowman in the garage. I never brought him back out of the garage, which that ended up working out relatively okay. Maybe could have swapped him in and out, but um, he had his own issues towards the end of that race. Bonus picks. Again, thought I was golden. Kyle Larson as the race winner. Kyle Larson as the top Chevrolet. Ryan Blaney as the top Ford. Denny Hamlin as the top Toyota. Chevrolet as the winning manufacturer. Hendrick Motorsports as the winning team. I did get two of these bonus points with Ryan Blaney being the top Ford and Denny Hamlin obviously won the race, so he was the top Toyota, and I picked him for that. But it didn't necessarily pan out for me uh, across the board. Um, it was looking pretty good, but then both uh, William Byron had an issue. Joey Logano had a loose wheel at some point during this race and rallied back to finish 11th, but still outside the top 10 there. And then Larson led laps early, got some stage points, then fell back during the rest of that race there on that same strategy Ryan was on, but he was able to claw, claw his way out. Larson finished 10th. So that was rough. I did have Chase Elliott finish second, so he got me 40 points there. He was the most points uh, scored for me outside of Ryan Blaney, who got 39 points. Uh, but I do know that you, uh, one, remembered your bonus picks this week, but that usually helps. And helps. two, uh, you had a pretty decent lineup. Yeah, I put, um, you know, I tried to put my eggs in the Ryan basket. I thought this was a good race for Ryan to win. I really thought that the Vegas, you know, would be a good one. And, you know, fifth was a good finish, you know. I did have Denny in my lineup. I had Kyle Busch in my lineup. So there's first and third right there. Uh, Larson and Harvick were, you know, both top tens. Um, I had uh, Larson as the top Chevrolet. That uh, did not work out. Um, I did have Ryan as the top Ford, though. So once again, that, that worked out great. Um, and, uh, you know, so so for the most point, I gathered some points. Um, did pretty good there uh, for the week itself. Uh, uh, if you want to read that top 10 off. <laughs> I guess I will. You know, the cool thing about this top 10, again, I say this every week, but the regular guys and gals are at the top of this leaderboard, but there's a couple of names that I think are some, one of the first, some, first times yes, we've mentioned some of them. So, some new names, yeah. So let's go back to the top 10 in points earned this past weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And first, we had Team Penske. And second, we had the uh, formidable Clyde's Chicken Pint Racing. And third, we had Doug K0525. Third, also third, tied for third, Moon Cup. In fifth, we have Vans 12. In sixth, we have Joe Lopez 1. In seventh, I guess I'll name this guy Mez 12 with 225 points. In eighth, we have Cool Guy 2K. I think that's one of the first times we've mentioned their name. 223 points. In ninth, we have Bulldog 0277, another one. And in tenth, we have Sam Speedsters. They've been up there a couple of times this year with 219 points. So again, T. Penske leading the way this past weekend at Las Vegas with 248 points. Let's go to the playoff standings. Uh, like I said, we got so many league standings we can mention now, but we'll go through the top 10 in the playoff standings. Leading the way, we have Doug K0525 with 948 points. In second, we have Team Penske. In third, oh, I'm reminding myself now why I like reading this one. In third, we have No Hesitation. In fourth, we have Mez12. In fifth, we have Blaney Kicks. Beep. 
In sixth, we have Spider Monkey. Seventh, we have Moon Cup. Eighth, we have Super Mod. In ninth, you have my team, Team Blaney Admin, with 878 points. I always turn it on when it comes to the playoffs, historically, and it's no different this year. Uh, tied for ninth, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, and with 878 points as well. And let's jump ahead or jump back to just the overall standings for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Still holding down the top spot, we have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. Second, Doug K0525. Third, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. Fourth, we have Moon Cup. Fifth, we have Rogue Tough. Sixth, we have Spider Monkey. Seventh, we have Glitterbugs. Holding down the eighth spot is Mez 12 with 5,583 points. In ninth, we have the Dalai Lama 4. And rounding out your top 10 is Vans 12 with 5,577 points. So, Steve, you are in the top 10 in the overall standings, in the top 10 in the playoff standings, and you landed in the top 10 in the Las Vegas points earned standings as well. So you scored the trifecta this week. Yeah, I get there once in a while. I get lucky. You know, the blind squirrel finds an acorn. Um, you know, the, the overall standings right now, uh, Clyde's and Doug are only 20 points apart. Uh, so uh, these next uh, bunch of weeks here, they, they're neck and neck for it. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe somebody should do something with the cricket and uh, hand out an award at the end of the season. No, I think that's a good idea. I, I wanted to do something like that last year, but I couldn't figure out a way uh, through the app or anything to get a hold of the winner. But if you win and you listen to the, the podcast or if you follow the social media and you you can prove to me that you're Clyde or you're Doug, uh, I will send you some sort of a, a trophy or some swag or something with Team Blaney on it for being the winner of the Fantasy League just to throw in something a little extra fun here. So, um yeah, if you're already holding down one of those top five positions, now might be a good time to contact me and let me know. <laughs> Send me a DM or something on yeah. Twitter, and we'll and we'll take care of that because we want to reward you. Because hey, this has been fun. It's been a fun segment to go through every week, and just fun to kind of keep track of race to race. Yeah, if you've seen um, Team Blaney's Twitter um, or uh, Adam's Adam's Twitter too, uh, Adam has started uh, working on some uh, on some stuff that uh, is right up his alley, actually, for what he does for a living. And uh, I got some of it in the mail last week, and it's awesome stuff. So, you know, uh, maybe, like I said, maybe for first place or something like that, it'd be kind of a cool thing. Um, whatever Adam decides. But uh, yeah. he's you learn pretty good pretty quickly with that cricket on how yeah. to make stuff. Yeah, some uh, custom, you custom got some swag to the winner. You're, you got some skills, man. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well, Steve, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Team Blaney podcast. Again, we're coming off of a great top five finish for Ryan Blaney in that Team Penske number 12 team at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. This weekend, they're heading down to Talladega, Alabama, one of Ryan's best tracks, two victories there down there at the Talladega Super Speedway. So go ahead, catch that race this Sunday. And if you are inclined to do so, jump into that Discord chat that I talked about earlier. You can find the link on the Team Blaney uh, Twitter page and the Team Blaney Facebook page. I tweeted it out a couple of times an invite link to where you can jump in and join us in the chat room this Sunday and have some fun as we talk about it. So one thing here um, with NASCAR's app, and I know that sometimes NASCAR actually takes a YouTube channel up too. take a look this week and see if they do something like that, because this week is a good week to watch in-car cameras. Um, usually you watch a race on TV and they've, they've got two or three in-car cameras on the NASCAR app that you can look at. And like I said, I think sometimes they put together a YouTube channel. Sometimes they put together a Twitter channel, too, where it's the in-car app for somebody. And at Las Vegas, you know, you might be looking out the front window at somebody who's three seconds away. This week, 
everybody is about uh, two inches from each other at 190 miles an hour. So watching um, on those app, uh, or, you know, watching the, uh, the in-car camera footage uh, is very, very exciting. And you know, plus you get that spotter sound too. So if you get a chance to this weekend, see if you can find something like that to watch on Sunday afternoon besides just the TV coverage. You know, something you can pull up on your phone or something. Yeah, uh, and even if it's not Ryan, if you can kind of see who he's racing around a lot of the race, you might still be able to catch him out the window there mm-hmm. uh, from another car with an in-car camera. Yeah, so you know, get into the excitement of this. This weekend is exciting. Anything can happen. And, uh, yeah, let's go do it. All right, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that really dives deep into how both of us became fans of the Blaney racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney, and also on Instagram. Don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney Podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and just about every other major podcasting app. Once again, to close out the show, we want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, and finally on facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. For my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin.